Amen. Matthew chapter 11, beginning at verse 28. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How many of you have heard this verse before? Amen. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This morning I want to share a message I've entitled, Worn Out. After talking about 33 years of ministry, worn out. I don't know about you, ministry can wear you out. Pastoring can wear you out. Living the Christian life can wear you out. Um, everyone's been worn out before. Some of you are worn out right now. How many of you are worn out right now? You stayed up too late last night, right? You cried all evening because the Mountaineers lost. You're worn out. Worn out. Uh, long trips, getting home late, working long hours. Some of you, for some reason, running marathons. Uh, Scott, I guess just... Scott ran some long race. It was how many, 200 miles or something. It was like a group of them that ran 200 miles. He'd been up for like 25 hours and decided to run. I don't know. Crazy. Insane. He's got to be worn out, obviously. He's been worn out. Have you ever taken a long trip? you ever planned it out? You're like, ah, oh, we're going to go down here. We'll just turn around and come back. You ever done that? And then you regretted it halfway home? You know, that kind of stuff. Worn out. If you've got kids... You know what it means to be worn out, all right? Grandparents, you're like, hey, I'm tired of you. Get out the door. <laughs> right? Life can be burdensome. I understand that. Life can be burdensome. Weariness can set in very quickly. Why? Because we have so many responsibilities. We've got so many things to do. We've got so many places to be. Not only that, but here we are in the fall season, and now you've got allergies. The flu season's coming upon us. All of you that were so happy for the fall season, congratulations. Here we are. It was 90 degrees last weekend, ladies and gentlemen. We've got body aches. We've got pains. Just life itself. It's easy to get worn out. And it's not just physically. We can get worn out mentally. Some of you have checked out already. <laughs> right? We got a lot of pressures in life, deadlines, commitments that we've got to meet. We've got, we've got projects and bills to pay, not to mention our relationships, our marriages, our friendships, our work relationships. Money! Doesn't money wear you out? Thinking about money, what am I going to do with money? Why don't I have any money? Where did my money go? I just had money. Right? You got other people's expectations of us that puts pressure on ours. And mentally causes us to wear out lots of times. Our own past, our own pain that we've gone through, heartaches in life, it puts a lot of pressure on us. We consistently find ourselves reeling, losing sleep at night, and then we're physically worn out again because we're mentally checked out. And this all, of course, bleeds into our spirit. 
Folks, you can't separate. We are, we are one person made of body, soul, and spirit. But how many of you know that when something affects our body, it will affect us psychologically and it will affect us spiritually? If something happens to us spiritually, many times it'll affect us psychologically and physically because we're all connected. Each one of these things uh, go together. And so lots of times, all of this weariness, all of, this re- all of these responsibilities, all of these things going on in our life, it bleeds into our spirit. And when life gets heavy everything starts to feel like a battle. Amen. You ever had those days where everything feels like a battle? Just tying your shoes. It's like World War III. Has that ever happened to you? can't get the shoe tight. You ever had one of those days where everything frustrates you? I can't get this bag of chips open. <laughs> right? Come on now. Little things that don't normally matter. Now all of a sudden you're so frustrated you can hardly get through the day. And that frustration leads into anger. That frustration many times can lead into worry. It can lead into regret because we do things that we won't normally do when we're angry, like bite someone's head off when all they said was, good morning. No, it's not. (laughs) Who are you to tell me what kind of morning it is? So life bleeds into our spirit. Not only that, but we can feel the heaviness of other people. We feel the heaviness of other people's battles that they're going through. All of us probably have a family member, a friend in our lives that weighs heavy on our heart consistently, that we consistently are praying about, consistently concerned with. Um, and so it, it causes us to get worn out. And in our, it then affects our prayer life. It affects our worship. It affects our service. It affects everything that we do because it's affecting us spiritually And many times it can even shake our faith. I know that we've all been in those places where our faith has felt shaken because we were confused about the situation that we found ourselves in. How many of you can agree to that? We find ourselves in a situation where we're like, God, I don't understand. How did I get here? I thought you were good to me. I thought this was what you had planned for my life. But then we get into that situation. Our faith gets shaken. Next thing you know, we're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And even the consequences of sin, folks, will wear us out. Make no mistake about it, sin brings with it so much baggage. It brings with it so much burden. It brings with it so much fear and condemnation. So even the consequences of sin will wear us out. So not only is it easy in this life to get worn out spiritually, mentally, I mean physically and mentally, it's also easy for us to get worn out spiritually. And so as we were talking about 33 years of ministry, many times we stand from this pulpit and we encourage you to get involved. We encourage you to serve. We encourage you to give. We encourage you to worship. There's always someone up here at this pulpit telling you what to do. Can you amen that? Amen. Amen. (laughs) Y'all like, everywhere I go, someone's telling me what to do. And then I've got this guy at a pulpit that's screaming at me what I'm supposed to do. Right? We come here and we encourage you. We want you to get involved. We want you to give, but you feel like, you know what, Mark? I'm just worn out. I am worn out. Life has worn me out. I've got so many places to go, so many people to take care of, so many things in my mind. I've got so much baggage from my past. I'm, I'm dealing with this thing physically. I'm dealing with this financial issue. I'm dealing with this marriage issue. I'm dealing with this issue for my children. I am worn out. Amen. And there are some of you here this morning that feel that way. You, it's hard for you to even get out of bed in the morning. It's hard for you to, to get up and motivate yourself to go. And many times this leads to discouragement and can lead to depression in our lives. And then here's what the enemy does. When we get discouraged and we get depressed, then the enemy comes in and says, well, you must not have faith. 
or you must not love God. Because if you loved God and if you had faith, you wouldn't be depressed or you wouldn't be discouraged. Have you ever heard that voice before? And this is what the enemy does. He always takes your situation or your mental state or your physical uh, situation and tries to turn it around and either blame you or blame God for what's going on in your life and it wears you out. Now, here's the thing. Our weariness is never simple. It would be easy for us if we just said, well, I'm just tired because I didn't get enough sleep, which that is the problem for a lot of us. Didn't get enough sleep. But our weariness normally is not simple. So that means simple platitudes don't always do, does it? When you're really going through that situation, it's not always good to hear someone say, buck up. Put a smile on your face. Today's the first day of the rest of your life. Right? Have you ever wanted to walk by somebody's coffee cup and just throw it? Get that out of my face! Your simple platitudes don't always help. Now, I understand. You're, someone's just trying to be encouraging. Someone's just trying to help you out. But, you know, especially when you run into Mr. or Mrs. Bubbly, you know? Isn't life grand? You know, you normally want to do a right hook, you know what I'm saying, in the name of Jesus. But here's the thing. Even when our issues are complex, Jesus says there's a simple solution for our weariness. Even when everything about us is complex, there's a simple solution to our weariness. Our problems are complex, but the one who is faithful to his promise is bigger than our complexities. A promise carries the power to change everything. Don told us this morning, encouraged us this morning after worship about the faithfulness of God to his promises, about being able to stand upon the promises of God. And I just want everyone to know in here that one promise from Jesus can literally change everything. Into the complex and burdensome moments of our lives comes a simple promise from the one who is greater than anything that happens to us in our life. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It is so simple. It is so refreshing to hear Jesus say something like this. Because you know what this means? This means that, first of all, Jesus acknowledges our weariness. God understands that we're worn out. Jesus recognizes that life makes us weary. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. When you think about this, this is a very striking claim. Jesus doesn't promise us an eightfold path to nirvana like Buddha does. He doesn't promise us or give us five pillars of peace through submission as is taught in Islam. He doesn't even give us 10 steps to spiritual victory and getting everything you want in life to make you happy seminar. Which is what we want in the 21st century, isn't it? That's what we look for. Give me four steps to this, steps to this, five steps to that. Give me 10 steps to that, and I'll be where I need to be. Come on now, we want it that easy, don't we? But Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't offer an eightfold path, five pillars. He doesn't offer us a seminar. What does he do? Unlike anything or anyone else in history, Jesus offers himself. 
Jesus offers himself as the solution to every single burden. Come unto me. Come unto me. I could give you some steps. I could give you some psychological ways to handle things. I can give you some coping mechanisms. And all of those things are fantastic. All of those things are good. We could talk about how we should eat better. We could talk about how we should exercise more. We should talk about how we need to get balance in our lives. We should talk about how we need to, to prioritize and, and get, our, get our, our day down packed, shouldn't we? We should do all of those things. But Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't give a seminar and give away Franklin planners. Do Franklin planners even exist anymore? Are they still out there? <laughs> he doesn't get out a calendar and say, these are the things that we're going to do. We're going to take these steps. We're going to go through this. We're going to make... He says, come unto me. Let me make this simple. Jesus said, come unto me. See, this is a staggering claim. Jesus is audacious enough to say, if you come to me when you're weary and heavy laden... I will, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. What kind of rest? Rest for your souls. Deep soul healing rest. Because there are times in our lives that we might get eight hours of sleep. Glory be to Jesus. But we still don't sleep well. We still don't wake up refreshed. Because why? The same burdens that were on our heart yesterday are the same burdens that are on our heart today. The same depression and discouragement we were wrestling with yesterday is the same depression and discouragement that shows up today. And yes, we may have gotten physical rest. We may have even taken a vacation. How many times have I heard someone say, I need a vacation from my vacation? Come on, you go on vacation to get rest and you wear yourself out. I don't know what happened there. But what an audacious claim. When the world, what Jesus says is, is when the world is spinning out of control, I promise you peace. A peace in our souls that cannot be touched by the world. A rest that runs like a river into the depths of our souls. To every crevice and crack and hidden place and broken area, to every place of darkness and fear, right there is where God's rest can find you. He promises you peace, but you have to come. Now think about how audacious that claim is. Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Either he is full of himself, or he's crazy, or he is who he says he is. And the only way that Jesus can make such an amazing statement is that fact. Because he is who he says he is. He is the Word made flesh. He is the second person of the Godhead. He is the divine Son of God. Which means Jesus is the one powerful enough to speak a promise that can bring us deep, satisfying, peace-filled rest when we are worn out. He is the one that stands in our boat and says, peace, be still. He is the one who says, my peace, I leave with you. Jesus is he who says that he is who he is. And that means that what he says is greater than our weariness. That because of who he is, his promise is greater than what we're going through. And this is what it means to come to him. To come to him means that we believe who he is and therefore we believe what he can do for 
us. That means that his promises are as sure as who he is. The promises that Jesus has spoken are as true as the one who said them. And that means that his word is founded on his unchanging character and his unstoppable power and grace. I want everybody to know here there is nothing that can stop God's grace from getting to you. There is nothing that can stop God's power from getting to you. We just have to put ourselves in the position to receive, as Dad taught us Wednesday evening. So here's the promise. If you will come, you will find rest. This is Jesus' promise. This is Jesus' promise. This is not mine. This is not my promise. This is not my ability to try to help you through your situation. This is not just my encouraging word to you to try to pick you up and, and get you going. This is, these are the words of Jesus Christ. If you will come to me, you will have rest. Now, what that means is, is that when Jesus invites us to come to him, he wants to shape who we are as a people. Part of finding his rest Part of finding rest means that we find out who we are. Many times we are unable to come to Jesus because we're looking at ourselves as the solution for our weariness. I've got it. I can handle it, as Don said earlier. I can do this. I've got it all in my hands. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to fix this. How many of you are fixers? You got fixers in this room. You're fixers. You can't just let things go. I got to fix it. Right? Come on now. Some of you are pointing, and then some of you are laughing. I can't leave it the way it is. I got to fix that. I'm going to fix you, too. I got to fix you. I know you didn't ask my opinion, but I'm fixing you. Right? There's a lot of people looking around here. I don't know. Some of you are like, I'd be okay if people stopped trying to fix me. But aren't we that way? We're, we are that way. We're fixers. We've got to put our hands on it. We've got to take care of it. We, we've got to do those. And that's why, you know, we, I mentioned before, the Bible tells us to cast all of our care upon the Lord. It doesn't say hand them to Jesus. It doesn't say carry them to Jesus. It says cast them. What happens when you cast? It's gone. You can't chase it down. I mean, you can try. But once you cast, it's out of your hands. It's beyond your control. Cast your care upon the Lord. Why? Because he cares for you. We want to trust in ourselves like we think we have it all. But anytime we come to Jesus, listen to me, anytime we come to Jesus, he doesn't just deal with our problems, he deals with our identity. He deals with our hearts. He deals with who we are. So anytime we bring our issues, our problems, our hurts, our pains to Jesus, he doesn't just deal with surface things. Jesus doesn't just want to heal you of your ailment. He wants to change who you are. Jesus doesn't want to just take care of your problem. He wants to do something deeper on the inside of you so that you can become the man or woman of God that he wants you to become. When you come to Jesus, you have to recognize you're going to leave differently or you have never come. If we come to Jesus and something doesn't change or spark in us or something doesn't ignite in our hearts, then we really have never come to Jesus in our lives. Once we learn and know who we are in Christ, then we're no longer striving to make it spiritually on our own efforts or our own abilities. When I recognize who I am in Jesus, then I realize I don't have to do this on my own. 
We can find rest in knowing that we are children of God and that the Father wants the best for our lives. When we recognize that we are the righteousness of God in Christ, we no longer have to be burdened with shame and condemnation. When we recognize that we are more than conquerors, then we don't have to live in the weariness of being a victim of the world or a victim to our flesh or a victim to the devil. Jesus has made us new creatures, people of God and people of the promises. We need to recognize who we are as the people of God. So we don't have to walk around kicking a can with our head down, hoping we can make it till tomorrow. I'm not a failure, hoping I can make it. I'm a child of God, bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. I belong to him. That is who I am. I am an heir of God and a co-heir with Jesus Christ. How much rest can we find in knowing who we are? And knowing who we are in Christ. Jesus not only dealt with our sin issue, but what he has done is offered us the answer for every single need we have in our lives. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We can rest in knowing not only who Jesus is, but we rest in knowing who we are in Jesus Because we know who Christ is, then we can recognize the beauty of who Christ has made us. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. But Jesus also says in this verse to take up his yoke. Now, it gets a little bit confusing, doesn't it? Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Then he tells us, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Then he even talks about a burden. He says there's a burden. And so when you read this passage of Scripture, you're thinking, you know, a yoke is, a, is for a beast of burden. You put a yoke on an ox, right? You put yoke on a working animal. So is Jesus promising us rest or is he promising us work? Is he promising us uh, his peace or is he promising a peace that only comes because we work it up? We've already established the fact that Jesus didn't say, I'll give you rest if you come to me and do these five steps. He just said, come to me. Come to me, and I'll take your burden. Come to me, and I'll issue you rest. Come to me, and I'll show you who you are. Come to me, but take my yoke. There are four things that I want to mention about what this yoke and this burden is, this yoke, this burden, really quickly. The first yoke, this first burden that Jesus speaks of is simply belief. Belief. John chapter 6, verse 29, Jesus answers this question. He's answered and said unto them, this is the work of God. This is work. This is what I've called you to do, that you believe on him whom he has sent. Period. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved and your whole household. What is the first work that we are called to do? Belief. Simply belief. Believe Jesus, believe God, believe his promises, believe his word, believe who he is, believe that what he says is what he'll also do. Trust him, put your faith in him, walk by faith, not by sight. This is what God has called us to do. This is the simple yoke that God places upon our life, just belief. If you'll believe me, then you will come. And if you come, you will find rest. Believe me. Trust that God really can give you rest, that he really wants you to know his peace because trust and rest always go together. That's good, sir. 
Trust and rest always go together. Anytime we find ourselves in a place where we can trust the person we're with, we always find rest, don't we? Don't we? Anytime we get in a circumstance that seems chaotic or tumultuous, anytime we start going through turmoil in our lives, we want to find people that we trust. Why? Because there's rest in trust. There's rest in trust. What's the first yoke? The first burden that God has placed upon us? Simply believe. Number two, here's the light burden that Jesus puts upon our lives. Abide. John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5 says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same bring forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Now, as you see there, Jesus reminds us, first of all, that we still need him. We need him. You cannot do anything without me. You can't bear fruit without me. You need me. So he calls us to abide in him, just as a a branch abides in a vine and gains its life and its strength from the vine. The branch has no power to bear fruit on itself. The branch has no ability to find life or strength by itself. It only finds strength as it is fully involved with the vine. The the branch's identity and purpose is completely connected to the vine. Everything about that branch, what that branch is, what that branch does, what that branch produces is completely connected to the vine. So what's that mean? To abide is to rest in the purpose and the strength of God to produce the fruit in our lives. Man, that takes a whole lot of pressure off our life. Nowhere does Jesus tell us that it is our responsibility to produce the fruit. He just tells us that we are supposed to stay connected to him and the fruit then is produced in our lives. Yes, he gives us works to do, but those works are in Christ Jesus. See, when we we learn to abide in him, we are trusting. We are abiding in the connection. We are abiding, and that means that we are resting in the life of the vine. We are resting in the life of God. We are resting in the reality that who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us will flow through us as long as we stay connected to the vine. I just have to stay connected. I just have to abide. Believe, abide. Number three, learn. Jesus says in this very passage, learn of me. Learn of me. I want everybody to know here that even in the spiritual life, knowledge is power, okay? Because what you don't know will destroy you in the spiritual world. The Bible says in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, my people were destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because they don't know, they've been destroyed. Because they don't know, they've been hurt. Because they don't know, they've been wounded. Because they don't know, they can't receive, they can't grow, they can't become whom I have called them to become. And so Jesus says, learn of me. The more you know, the more you grow. The more you know, the more you become like the one he has called you to become. Because the more we learn of Jesus and the beauty of his grace, the more that we can rest. The more we get a revelation of who Jesus is and how big God is, the smaller our issues become. Because don't we do a good job of magnifying our issues? Come on. 
Don't we do a good job of making them big? We're almost proud of the fact we've got issues in our lives. You ever met people like that? I got this going on. I got that going on. You try to share something with you, and they're like trying to one-up you with their pain. Oh, yeah, what about this? You got a scar? Look how long mine is. Right? We're always trying to show everybody up. We magnify our pain. We magnify our issues. We even define ourselves by our pain. We will define people by their hurt. We go through these times in our lives where we get stuck, where we feel like we can't move past where we are, and sometimes that hurt obviously is real, whether it's physically, spiritually, or mentally. We've been hurt by the world. We've been betrayed by friends. Folks, there are people in this building today that have been hurt by the church, that have been wounded or scarred by Christians who supposedly should love and care and and be there for one another. The world is not fair, and so we get weary, we get hurt, we tend to we tend to uh, find ourselves holding on to those pain, holding on to that issue. But Jesus said, if you'll learn of me, if you will learn of me, I will show you my beauty. I will show you my grace. I will show you who I am, and I will show you who you can be. Amen. And when God gets big, our problems get a little bit smaller. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 2 and 3 say this, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now look at verse 3. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. We learn by looking at Jesus. We learn by seeing what he endured. Jesus endured the cross, betrayal, beatings, scars, whipping, stripes, scourging, hatred. He endured it all. And the Bible says there in Hebrews 12, he did it with joy. And this guy is crazy. He's promising us rest. He's promising us peace in the midst of the situation. He is facing the cross with joy. Why? Because we learn by seeing the reward of what he endured. See, Jesus saw past the cross, and he saw the salvation of our lives. He saw heaven. He saw the glorification. He saw the fulfillment of God's promise. He saw the gospel. He saw grace. He saw resurrection. So how was he able to endure? Because he saw, and we learn from Jesus. And as we learn from Jesus, we recognize, yes, my problem is big. Yes, my burden is heavy. Yes, my weariness is real. But on the other side of this, there is victory. If I will believe, if I will abide, if I will learn, there is rest for my soul. This is the promise of Jesus, and he fulfills his promises. And we learn from Jesus that, hey, folks, what we're going through doesn't have to break us. What we're going through doesn't have to stop us. What we're going through does not mean that we have to grow weary and faint in our minds. We learn that the cross allows us to have a yoke exchange. John Bloom said this. I thought this was a powerful quote. In the cross, Jesus takes our inconceivably and unbearably heavy yoke of sin's condemnation and penalty and offers us in exchange the easy yoke and light burden of simply trusting him. He does all the work and gives us all the rest. Jesus does all the work 
and he gives us all the rest. Learn of me, Jesus says. And number four, the yoke that Jesus puts on us is hope. See how easy this is? See, see how light this burden is? Jesus is not asking us to work through it ourselves. He says, believe, abide, learn of me, and hope. Because it's our search for hope many times that makes us feel worn out. Proverbs says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. In other words, hope that doesn't seem like it's coming makes us sick. Or the hope that we thought we had, we recognize that now it doesn't seem like it's going to turn out the way we thought. And it makes our heart sick. Because when we're worn out, we're just looking for the hope that our situation will not stay the same. That our tomorrow will be better than our today. Isn't that right? Don't we get worn out many times because we're just hoping that I don't have to stay in this situation forever? I'm just hoping that my my issue will change. I'm hoping that this will happen in my loved one's life. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that tomorrow won't be as hard as today. I'm hoping that tomorrow won't be as burdensome as today is. The Word invites us to know the hope that comes from taking refuge in God. David said in Psalm 42, verse 5, Why are you cast down, O my soul. Now this, this is, can be a very important thing that we need to recognize. Once in a while you need to talk to yourself. I know people will think you're crazy, but you are, right? So let's just let, show them that we are. Sometimes you got to talk to yourself. And what do you got to say to yourself? You got to remind yourself of who God is and who you are. Amen. Why are you cast down on my soul? It's almost like David's talking to himself. It's like, what, what's going on with you, bro? Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquieted to within me? What, did, what should I do? Where do I go from here? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. I will help him because of the light of shining from his face. I will still praise him in the middle of my situation, in the middle of my issue. I will continue to lift my hands. I know I'm worn out, but why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? What am I going to do? I am going to hope in God. The world is going to fail me. My friends may not always be there for me. My church may not even come through for me. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he has said he will do. His word is eternal, and he will keep his promises. I will hope in God. My situation doesn't seem to want to change. My physical ailment doesn't seem to want to go away. This devil seems to just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. But my hope is in God. My hope is not that I can make it to the next revival or to the next meeting or have prophet so-and-so or evangelist so-and-so lay hands on me. Or if I can make it to church on Sunday, then everything will be okay. Hope in God. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. In this promise of rest, there is hope. And that's what Jesus is giving us. He's giving us hope. Jesus is saying, you know what? I know that sometimes you're worn out. I know that sometimes you're weary. I know that there are even times in your life you felt like giving up. But here's my promise. There's rest, which means there's hope. There is hope for your brokenness. There's hope for your hopelessness. If we find refuge in Him. Hope that can be certain that when we are worn out, He will be the source of our greatest joy. And we will praise Him because of that. We will worship Him because of that. 
because life is wearisome. So he calls us to believe, he calls us to abide, he calls us to learn of him, and he just calls us to hope. That's the yoke. That's the burden which is light. Jesus gives all of us the invitation to come unto him. And coming to Jesus is a powerful choice to make because it literally changes everything. Listen, make no mistake about it, folks. If you feel called by the Spirit of God to come to this altar and pray, if you feel called to to, to come to Jesus in prayer. Make no mistake about it. The Lord is going to deal with your burden. He's going to grace you with His strength through your weariness. But He's also going to deal with who we are. He's going to change us. But coming to Jesus takes it from our hands and puts it in His. It lifts the burden from your heart and puts it on the cross. But here's the thing about coming to Jesus. It makes you vulnerable. It exposes you. Because coming to Jesus is coming to light. And to come to light is to step out of darkness. It's to step out of shadows. But it will always bring you freedom. And freedom is not burdensome. (laughs) Freedom is freedom. Freedom is not burdensome. It was for freedom, the Bible says, that Christ has made us free. What an amazing statement. He set us free for the sole purpose of freedom so that we would not be burdened with what we don't have to be burdened with. I want to close with this as we prepare to come to Jesus. The beauty of the church is this. You don't have to do this thing alone. You know, that's what we celebrate on Pastor Appreciation Day. It's what we celebrate this month, especially as we talk about what God has done faithfully for the last 33 years. As we talk about the beauty of the church. You know what? The church can be ugly sometimes. Ugly people, ugly actions. You know, and there are times in our lives where we feel like we've got to break ties. Or... But you know what? It's in the body of Christ that we find the beauty of knowing we don't have to do this alone. You know what? We are our brother's keeper. We are called, the Bible says, to bear one another's burdens, which means that isolation is never a way to find rest for our souls. We will never find rest as long as we stay hidden within ourselves, as long as we stay lost inside, as long as we try to cover it up, as long as we don't, we're not vulnerable, as long as we continue to wear a mask and put a face on and act like something that we're not, we will never find freedom. When we isolate ourselves, we kill ourselves. When we are worn out, sometimes we need cheerleaders in our lives. We need someone to speak life-giving words into our hearts because the words that are going through our heads are not very life-giving. Sometimes we need some people to speak life into our hearts. We are to be looking. The Bible even tells me that I'm supposed to be looking for the spiritually worn out and lift them up. Not questioning their faith. Not question, why why aren't you making it? Why aren't you overcoming? Why aren't you doing this? No, I I should be looking for the spiritually worn out to bear their burden. Why? Because we're in this together, and we're going to make it together. We're going to make it together. Church, I just want to encourage you. You know, people are going to quit. They're going to give up. They're going to do things that hurt you. They're going to do things that you don't understand. But this is not the time to quit. This is not the time to separate. Let us come together and let us come to Jesus together and find rest.
You know what? Every one of you in this room, you're a priest before God, which means what does a priest do? A priest stands between God and the people. The priest stands between God and the people and desires to bring them together, and that's, that's, our, that's our vision here. Love God, love people, and bring those two things together. Every one of you are priests in this room, which means we should be looking for ways to bless each other. We should be looking for ways to connect the broken with the healer, to connect the weary with the source of strength. Are you worn out today? Are you worn out? There was an old, there was an old hymn that always spoke so powerfully to me, and I'll close with this. One of the verses says, Are you disappointed, wandering here and there, dragging chains of doubt and loaded down with care? Do unholy feelings struggle in your breast? Bring your case to Jesus. He will give you rest. Come unto me, and I will give you rest.